Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for your holy, eternal, and inspired word. We thank you for the written record of the account of your Son, Jesus Christ, life on earth. We thank you for the account we have today of the fact that he shall return one day as our judge. Help us, Father, as we listen to your teaching of your word this day. And we may indeed turn to Christ, our true Saviour and judge. In his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> we continue our thoughts on the return of Christ again. Some issues in life are difficult to deal with, to speak about, and some others are easy. When it comes to Bible teaching on matters of prayer, moral issues like abortion or marriage or family life, etc., we can find these easy to talk about because Scripture is very clear about them. Also, it very much involves our modern-day living, our ordinary real-life world experiences, what's going on in our world around us. However, in this Advent season, when it comes to the matters of the second coming of Christ, heaven, hell, the last things, the last judgment, they seem more difficult for us to understand or deal with or speak about. And they sometimes have to be dealt with great sensitivity. And perhaps sometimes their teaching, a real teaching of Jesus, can be watered down. Yes, the last judgment, the judgment day of Christ, which is spoken about in our parable this morning, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, the sheep and the goats, uh, seems distant and remote. And difficult to understand. It seems unreal, something rather like a fairy tale, in fact. It's a distant event, and we don't really understand it completely. But we can understand in some senses if we look at like a courtroom scene where the judge stands to listen to the evidence and have the evidence presented to him and then make the verdict. And so the verdict is predicted guilty or not guilty on the production and presentation of the evidence, just as Jesus, the judge, stands with the sheep and the goats, presents the evidence to them, and then gives a judgment. Sometimes people look at the preaching of the last things and the judgment as fire and brimstone preaching, or doom and gloom. But we must remember that the last things, the judgment of Christ and his return again, are very much part of the will, plan, and purpose of God. God is a God of love, yes, but he's also a God of justice, and he deals with sin, sin which is unrepentant. And here we see God, yes, not as a God of love, but a God of judgment. But he has been a God of love. He has desired that all people would repent and turn away from their sin. That's why sometimes when we wonder of all the suffering going on in the world, why our Lord is so slow in coming back again. But Peter tells us, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God delays in coming, in a sense. He has his own timing when he shall return again. So everyone will have an opportunity to repent and become the sheep in this parable of the sheep and the goats today. Our passage today is very much about reality. It is an actual historical event in time, known only by God the Father. It brings us face to face 
with eternity in a way no other passage does. It helps us to face our eternal destiny, to ask the questions, am I lost or saved for all eternity? Where will I spend eternity? <clears throat> Gordon Kiddie, who has written a book on this, on the parables, says this about this parable. Jesus will not let us off the hook. He is coming again. He will judge the living and the dead. Under the judgment of his lips, we shall all, one by one, go to our eternal destiny. He is coming to gather his believing people, and in do sowing, he will identify those who would never believe. There is no place to hide from this future assize. Yet while there is life, there is hope and the opportunity to flee from the wrath to come. By answering his call to repentance and faith, we must face his parable of the sheep and goats with biblical honesty, for ultimately it is a matter of life or death. Jesus had spoken already about being ready in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, being ready, being watching for the unknown return of Jesus Christ. In the parable of the talents, prior to this passage we read this morning, he spoke about people using their talents in the master's service while he's away prior to his return. On his return, they received the reward for faithful service or punishment for lack of it. So in this passage today, in verse 31, we read, Who is the judge? When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the judge of all the world and of all people in it. He was referred to in this title way back in Daniel, hundreds of years before he came, and of the role he would have at the end of time when he would return again. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient days and was led into his presence. He is giving authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Yes, Jesus is the judge of all the world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has been assigned this role by his heavenly Father. The Father judges no one, but he entrusted all judgment to the Son. So Jesus fulfilled this ancient prophecy in Daniel. He came as the judge, the Son of Man, to be the judge of all peoples. Who will be judged? Well, it's very clear. All nations will gather before him. All nations, everyone, all the world, all creation, all who are made by God will acknowledge who Jesus Christ is one day. He will, they will all stand before the righteous judge. Just as we see here, there are two choices. There always have been two choices. The right way or the wrong way. God's way or man's way. Throughout all of biblical history and all of the world history, people have been given a choice. Just as Adam and Eve have been given a choice in the Garden of Eden to eat of the tree of knowledge of good of evil or not to eat of it. We can all know today God's grace of salvation in Christ alone or not. We can be converted or remain unconverted. We can be a living of faith in Jesus Christ alone or not. This was the case with the sheep. They were those who, like the sheep in Jesus' parable, had heard the shepherd's voice, who had listened to him, who knew him, and who follow him. They were given to sit on God's right hand, just as they assaulted 
and risen Jesus Christ and be given a place of authority at God's right hand. In Hebrews chapter 1 we read, After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read that after Jesus had endured the scorn and shame and suffering of the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the sheep, all Christians, all who have a living faith in Jesus Christ and have lived it out, will be given a place of authority, a place of reward at God's right hand. All nations, it says, will have to acknowledge him. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ, who have ignored his claims and his call of salvation, who have dismissed him or even dismissed his existence, will one day have to acknowledge him, who he is. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Then we see here the manner of the judgment. Verses 34 onwards, we read very clearly about what is happening. It's very clearly based on evidence about how those who had lived out their life and those who had served God. It reads about the sheep, how they were, you were hungry, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I need clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. Those who are judged are judged on the evidence of how they had lived out their faith. Just as Christ had a sacrificial love while he was on earth, he looked at the people as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on it, says, because they're harassed and helpless. And so those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ are called not just to a living faith in Jesus Christ, but they're also called to live out their faith. You see, it's important to remember we're not saved by our works, but by God's grace, by what he has done for us. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. We can't earn our salvation by our works, by our good living. But then when we have a living faith in Jesus Christ, we're called to show it by the way we live our lives. James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. It says, faith without deeds is dead. So we are called to have a evidence of a living faith in Jesus Christ, and this will be rewarded. What we've done for, with Jesus and what we've done for Jesus is what we will be judged upon at the end of time. It, we, by our fruits, the Christian will be known. By the fruits, everyone will be known whether their faith is true and genuine or counterfeit and merely false and not more than surface deep. Today, we are called to have a living faith in Jesus Christ. Because you see, Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God's will is that we love Jesus Christ and love God totally, but also we love our neighbour and also we serve God by the way we live our lives each day. These uh, sheep, the followers of Jesus Christ, showed that they cared for their fellow believers, first of all, because it talks about the brothers. The brothers here means 
the household of faith, those who are fellow believers. They had care and concern for them. Because you see, the church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. When one part rejoices, all parts rejoice. When one part suffers, all suffer. We should have a kindred feeling if we are followers of Christ, members of his body, for those who are in need throughout the world. First John says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Practical Christianity. First of all, as Paul says, to those who are of the household of faith, fellow believers. That doesn't mean we don't be concerned about all the other people who are needy in the world as well. But we're looking at it from a different reason. We're doing our service for Christ if we are Christians, not for earning our salvation, but because it's evidence of our living for Christ. You see, faith is the essential thing, but works done for our own honour and glory, and not for Christ's honour and glory, is of no reward, of no significance whatsoever at all. And here were the goats. They lived life, yes, but they had no care or concern for anybody in the world. In fact, they were surprised, unlike their, their sheep. The sheep were surprised that they had done anything for Jesus, but the goats were surprised. When did we ever do ignore these things, all those who are in need? And he says, no, because you never did it uh, for me then. It is of no reward, of no significance whatsoever at all. You never did it for anybody else, and therefore it's, you never did it for me as well. I tell you the truth, you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. They didn't even care for those who were poor and needy in the world. They lived life selfishly and for their own self-exaltment and honour and glory. And so it's like the courtroom, as I said at the beginning. The evidence was there presented before the people, before the sheep and the goats, and the announcement of the judge was pronounced upon them all to those who are genuine true followers of Jesus Christ and who had lived out their faith the king says come you are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world when we become Christians followers of Jesus Christ we become his children but become also heirs of an everlasting kingdom it's here and now we now have the inheritance, and one day, just like someone receives uh, benefits from a will of someone, then it's fulfilled one day. So one day we will receive our inheritance if we are followers of Christ. But the sad thing was that for those who had rejected Christ, had not followed him, who had cared nothing for the things of God, he says, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, the righteous to eternal life. Two ways, two verdicts. The righteous, those who trust in Christ, to life eternal, those who reject Christ, to eternal punishment. Heaven is real and so is hell. Heaven is a place of joy, and happiness and contentment. No sin, no sorrow, no suffering in contrast to the eternal suffering and punishment of hell. These are not easy words to say, but they are the words of God. And the love of God says to us today to repent and turn and trust in Christ as Lord and Saviour, to avoid that eternal separation, eternal death 
from God and from heaven. Psalm 16 says, To those who are followers of Christ, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal joy, peace, salvation, and worship and enjoyment of God's presence, of Christ's presence, is those the reward of those who trust in Christ today. It will be a time for the Christian of deliverance from the sinful, evil world. We will be transformed, glorious new bodies, the scripture tells us. So today the message is, today is the day of salvation. Christ comes to invite you to come and trust in him as your Lord and Saviour. Today to be ready for his return, to be ready for the last final judgment. Because it is, as I said, an actual real event, therefore we must be ready for it. The scriptures very clearly tell us, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive what is due to him in the things done while in the body, or whether good or bad. We can't be like the judge, the, the sheep, or the goats rather, and say, when did we ever see? We can't make excuses. We must now uh, lovingly surrender our lives to Christ as Lord and Saviour. Through Christ, the acquittal has been pronounced. We are acquitted. We have peace with God. We are forgiven for our sins. We are accepted. We are assurance of acceptance into the eternal inheritance prepared for us since the creation of the world. God is a place for us. Remember Jesus said he'd gone ahead of us to prepare a place and he'd return again to receive us unto himself. That's his followers. And so today I say to you finally, what words will Jesus say to you today? Will he be like the judge and say, come, you blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Or will he say, depart from me into the eternal punishment prepared for you and for the devil and for all his angels. These are words of sobriety, of seriousness, of great challenge to us. We are living in days when we need to be ready for the return of Christ. Where are we? What words will Jesus say to you as he will say to me? Will he say, come, or will he say, depart? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we give you thanks for your word, for the word of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to examine our lives, to be sure that we are in Christ, trusting him as Lord and Saviour. One day when he returns, he will say, come. Father, help us not to ignore the challenge and call of your word. Otherwise, we can hear the words depart. So, Father, help us in this time of examination to look at our lives and recognize which words will Jesus say to me, come or depart. Amen.